Welcome to Raising Me. We are so grateful you have found us. I'm Adrienne Stein, an Emmy award-winning journalist, but most importantly, a mom of three ranging in age from preschooler to high schooler. I'm trying to figure it all out like you are. The title of Raising Me really is a nod to how we are constantly learning and growing as we raise our children. This is a podcast where we take the joys and really a lot of the challenges we are facing as parents straight to the experts for advice while reflecting on our own past and actions along the way. We don't get a guidebook on all this stuff from teaching our kids about money or dealing with bullies, navigating what it means to be part of the sandwich generation, and how to strike the right balance when it comes to discipline. And we're talking about a whole lot more too. I'm simply asking questions to the experts as a mom who often feels like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So as we start a new year, we're reflecting on some of what we learned so far, starting with our most downloaded episode. It's called The Rise of Meanness. It's about dealing with bullies and helping your child through that with therapist Tana Gabler. She also explains that one of the best things that we can do for our kids is teach empathy. You bring up a good point just being in the COVID, post-COVID world. Have you noticed an increase in any way in, in bullying? You know, you're, you're, we're seeing more online, but is it just more prevalent today? Yeah. I mean, I would say what I'm, what I'm hearing from school social workers, what I'm hearing from my clients is that there is just kind of a rise in meanness, mean behaviors, kind of unkindness in schools. And I think a lot of this is coming from aftershock of just all this hurt that has been unattended to and all of this chaos and kind of trauma, really, that's been un that hasn't been healed yet. Um, mm-hmm. And really not knowing where to put these feelings a lot of the times scared comes out as mean, right? Like when you don't know the right the healthy way of coping with that or really sad, really hurt can come out as mean and angry when we haven't really been able to name that feeling ourselves. And without having kind of parental or adult support, a lot of these kids are left kind of their own devices of they're discharging these emotions that they're feeling, which are really kind of starting out as hurt, sad, confused. And I think a lot of the times they're coming out as bullying and mean behaviors in schools. So what I am hearing in my personal practice anecdotally is that the meanness level and just like the kind of chaos in school has just risen exponentially. There's significant impact in that and that kind of behavior, not just short term, but also potentially long term. Let's talk a little bit about both the short term uh, effects that bullying can have and also some of the potential long-term effects bullying can have. First, the short-term. Short-term, when you're talking about someone who's been bullied, decrease to self-esteem. I mean, that's short and long-term, but decrease to self-esteem, um, feeling socially isolated, being ostracized, feelings of self-doubt. This long-term you can morph into depression and anxiety, um, at the most extreme ends, suicidal ideation, risk increasing risk of suicide, and just can have a really long impacting effect on the, the self view and 
the way that a child perceives him or her or themselves to be. How, as parents, then, can we help to empower our kids to handle bullying situations, particularly in the moment? And I think there are two parts, you know, helping them in the moment deal with a bullying situation, but also sort of having that time at home to reflect and how will I handle it different going forward? When we're talking just about like kind of the base level of how to protect your kids, um, even like before the bullying happens, is you really want to start building like empathy language and feeling language in your house. And we can start this from the time kids are infants, right? Like reading books and pointing to pictures. Oh, Sally looks so sad in that picture. You know, I wonder what happened to Sally. And this, this is giving them, um, this is allowing children to get a different perspective. It's called perspective taking, and it's a really invaluable skill. Um, and it is a skill. It's not necessarily born, um, something you're necessarily born with, but it is something that you want to teach children that other people have other thoughts and other desires and other, you know, motivations and the way that we teach that in books or sharing stories. And it's really encouraging kids to get out of their own perspective and take the perspective of someone else. That's one of the most important things families can do to build empathy and build healthy relationships in their children from the get-go. When you're talking about a kid who has already experienced kind of mean behaviors or bullying, um, the first way you're going to handle it is probably going to be the same regardless of if it's bullying or if it's, you know, less severe in nature and that we just call like mean behaviors. So you just want to sit with your child and you just want to connect with them on that feeling. I tell parents to not go into that overreactive like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened kind of state because you're giving your child the message that maybe something's wrong with them, that this is catastrophic, that this can't be handled. When in reality, it's terrible. It's awful. But it does happen. And you don't want your child to start thinking that internalizing that there's something wrong with them. And that's why it's happened. So take a deep breath. You don't need to like swoop in and fix it, right? Even if that means saying, you know what, I have to just, I really quickly have to go use the bathroom or something just so you can collect yourself to take those deep breaths and remind yourself, this is going to be okay. Like we are going to get through this. And then making sure that you are connecting with your child in that moment. The Rise of Meanness is the name of that episode. If you'd like to listen to the whole conversation, there were so many good takeaways in that one. And how about some empathy for ourselves, as a lot of us are in the sandwich generation, raising our own family while also caring for or maybe about to care for aging parents. And that can look different for so many of us, from helping around the house to preparing meals. Maybe it's helping with doctor appointments. And even in some cases, living expenses, all while trying to manage the time, the energy, and the resources for our own children. It can be so much pressure and so much stress. Becky Hedieras of Southern Maine Agency on Aging is helping us navigate that in the episode called Sandwich Generation and how we can have those difficult conversations with our parents. Are there ways that we can prepare in advance and sometimes you know an idea is different than the reality but 
are there just some simple things that maybe we could start bringing up in a way that doesn't feel uh, uncomfortable or threatening to either side? Yeah, sure. I think having conversations about power of attorney, which can be a really tough one, but you can have in your power of attorney, like this only comes into effect if I'm not able, if a doctor says that I'm not able to make my own decisions. So sometimes people think that power of attorney means, oh, like my child is now in charge of everything. But, you know, you can choose the box that says this is only if a doctor says that I'm not able to make my own decisions. So I think that helps alleviate some of the stress for parents and for the caregiver um, that, you know, they both know, okay, this doesn't mean that I'm needing to take over everything right away. So that's an important conversation to have because when you sit down and you talk about a healthcare power of attorney, you're saying to them, if you, if you're at the end stage of your life and you need antibiotics, do you, do you want them? Do you want a feeding tube? And then Later on, if you're in that situation, it can it can yield a lot less guilt for the child uh, that's that's or the caregiver who has to make those decisions because they're already laid out. It's not a choice that you're making to people say, you know, I'm letting them die. Um, I used to work for hospice and talked to a son and we and we looked at the mom's healthcare power of attorney together and we were like, no, it's not you making this choice of no feeding tube. Mom made that choice. Mm-hmm. Like in nineteen ninety seven, she made that choice. So I think, you know, that that's a great place to start for people and it can open up a lot of conversations just by moving down the form. And you'd suggest doing something like that together because that to me when you <laughs> When you said, you know, mom has decided she doesn't want a feeding tube if and when that ever happens in 10, 20, whatever many, however many years from now, that seems like a really uncomfortable conversation. You know, ring, ring. Hi, mom. Um, Wondering (laughs) if ever you'd want to be on a feeding tube in the next (laughs) decade or two. Like, how? (laughs) That seems so mean. Mean actually has um, a healthcare advance directive form that's um, right online that um, you don't even have to have notarized unless you're planning to travel. I've done it with my parents. So just reading down it, it's, it's, it helps because it's not you making just a, a phone call. Hey, happy Saturday. What are you doing? What do you want to do if you're dying? Um, so having the form. And I think if people talk to their doctor, the, the doctors highly recommend. I mean, they ask me when I go to my healthcare appointments, do you have an, an advanced directive? It's something that's becoming that people are asking more. Um, so if, if you start there with, oh, like, you know, hey, my doctor asked me when I went to my physical, if I have an advanced directive, do you have an advanced directive? Like if you can start really simple and if, if they don't, you know, you could even say, do you like, should, do you want to work on ours together? Um, so you can keep it because because everyone really should have one. So you can keep it pretty, you know, as light as you can for it is a it is a tough conversation. If people don't want to do it with their children, they can also do it with their doctor. That's a good. I point. mean, that's one thing. And then there's and then there's like simple things, you know, that that you can do as well. Um, of of just saying. You know, I've noticed, you know, you're having more trouble keeping up with the house. Like, is is there something, you know, can we help you with that? Or is there something? Um, and some people, it depends really on personality and the individual. Some people are going to be open to that. And they're going to be like, that would be great. 
I had a family once that the 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 daughter said to me, you know, uh, she makes her bed every day. It's always been important to her. She's struggling more. And she was really nervous to talk to her mom about a housekeeper. And then she talked to her about it. And her mom said, oh, thank God, I've been making my bed <laughs> for 92 years. Now someone else can do it. So I think we we jumped to the conclusion that it's going to be a bad thing, but it might be a relief. Um, and, you know, also talking to people about if we do X, Y, and Z, it might, it can help you stay home longer. You know, we're worried about you shoveling the driveway because if you fall, like that's not going to be a good thing. But if we have someone shovel the driveway, you can put your attention to something that, that you enjoy doing. And, um, you know, you won't have a fall that could eventually make you have to leave home. So making it a conversation about increasing independence, being able to stay at home longer versus the losses. Yeah, it's all how you frame it, right? That episode is called Sandwiched Generation, and Becky is simply a wealth of information. It is worth a listen. If you are feeling the stress of caring for multiple generations, you will find it in our playlist. And speaking of generations, there are fewer ways to highlight a generational divide than listening to your teens or your preteens talk, which is why we brought in Shannon King with the Gear Parent Network to help us translate some of the hot slang words in 2023. From Vibes to Cap is the episode you could say is really fire, which is cool for anyone who needs that translation. You know what? So I'm going to talk about this one. And and I know it's been around for a little bit, but I had not heard it. I actually didn't know what it was until I read it in my fifth graders book report at the end of the year, uh, the yeet. yeet. But I've since heard it often, but I read it in his book report. I was like, what is, what, it, what does that mean? <laughs> Where yeah, did you yeah, this so. word? <laughs> and then quickly my high schooler said, nobody even says that anymore. Yeah, that is, it is out with the older okay. kids. Got it has been very much still in, especially with elementary school okay. age kids and some of the middle school aged kids or um, kids that kind of like stick with these things. Like I know we work with a lot of families with neurodivergent kids. And so like they'll get stuck on something. And so like, this is a big one. So my, my 16 year old still use this one. They love this word. So even though my 18 year old's like, that is out, it's not <laughs> a thing anymore. Um, they still insist on using it. So they love it, but it is kind of like to throw something or moving at a high velocity. So like you can yeet an item, which would be like to throw it, or you can say yeet if you see something being thrown. So it's kind of versatile like that. So like the sentence that I use is that car hit the fire hydrant and then quick, quickly went away. It went yeet. Cause it went like it could go yeet. You could just say the word when you see something like if you if like one of my kids is throwing something and the other kid walks in, into the room, they'll say yeet. It's an interesting one. It would be so Gucci if you listen to From Vibes to Cap on the playlist. And P.S. Don't try these words at home. Another topic we explored is figuring out discipline and ugh. This is a tough one. How and when and what about if, or rather, when you overreact? Because I don't know anyone who hasn't done that. 
We talk with therapist Monica Eichler about how to reset in the episode, Discipline Dynamics. What about when you feel like you've made a mistake in whatever a a particular situation is when it comes to discipline? Or how do you know what is just enough or too much or not enough? I love that you're really asking this question because you're, it's already telling me that there's maybe even a a consciousness of being attuned to your child, like that you notice, like, oh, that I I may have, I may have gone overboard with either the actual consequence or maybe how loud my voice was. Um, and I can sense that this didn't go down well. Um, and if you're a parent, I'm just going to say it's going to happen, right? Um, and if you're a parent, what's also beautiful is that your children will give you another opportunity, either in the next hour or the next 24 hours generally, um, to, to redo that. So, you know, how can I, how can we do this differently? So again, depending on the age of the child, I would say probably maybe starting at four, it kind of depends on the four-year-old. Um, once uh, everyone is maybe more on the calm side, of course, and our prefrontal cortex is working again, um, I would offer to say to your child, you know, that thing that happened earlier when you said this and then I said that and then we ended up seeing these things. You know, I, I wonder how that was for you because for me, so you're modeling your own uh, experience and not too much, right? We're not wanting them to be responsible for our feelings, but we can say for me that it didn't feel good. And I wonder if we can do that differently next time. So there's, you know, you're not telling them, Hey, the rules are not going to be in place, but what you're messaging to them is you matter. And I noticed that this was, uh, really hard for you. And I want to, and, and sometimes hard is okay, but I just want to let you know that I care about that. And you may still not go to the party because you lied to me about it. Um, and uh, I want to know, I, I want you to know that I, that perhaps we can have a different kind of, kind of conversation around how this might happen in the future. Discipline dynamics is really a good one to listen to because we also spend a lot of time thinking back on how we were disciplined as children and how that impacts our parenting styles today. Plus, Monica also gives us some insight on how one style of parenting in particular helps to raise the happiest adults. So again, it's called discipline dynamics. And as we start a new year, a reminder to go easy on yourself. Let go of any of the guilt you might have right now for not having the perfect holidays. It's advice from counselor Teresa Petrosky in the episode Seasonal Stress that extends way beyond the holidays. Talking about the expectations, because there are so many expectations that come with this time of year, whether it is as a parent in your your kids or just with family with work, all the things we've talked about. So are there some ways that we can, in a healthy way, manage the expectations that we put on ourselves or and 
I should say, not or, and the expectations that others put on us. So first, the expectations that we put on ourselves. What are some of the things we can keep in mind? I think if we go back to kind of exploring what's important to us about the holiday season, defining what you hope that your children might grow up with, the value system that's important, it changes our need to maybe like buy the happiness for the holiday season. And we're able to kind of go back to, oh, I'm spending time with my family or spending time with my friends is really important about this time of year. And if we're able to recognize that's what's important, we kind of let go of some of those expectations of having my house look like, you know, the perfect home or having the all the things done by ourselves, you know, or again, like I gave the example earlier about like baking um, the recipes. Sometimes that may not be something that we can do this year. Maybe there's a time restraint. Um, maybe the grocery store didn't have a certain ingredient. So it's also being okay with being flexible when plans do need to change um, and giving yourself that grace of saying, that's okay that I didn't do that this year. Um, I'll try again next year. Giving yourself grace, that is a huge... Like maybe we should underline that point because it it's e- easy to say that now in the moment that can be really tough, especially for people who are just naturally hard on themselves and want to have the home just right, the recipes just right, the gifts just right, plus wrapped just right. So uh, if we could underline that point, I mean that that is a key takeaway is just allowing ourselves some grace. If the house doesn't look perfect and you've got, you know, five people, 10 people, whatever, coming over in the next hour. And and oftentimes, too, when we talk about like the grace and having that, it's people don't remember if the table was set perfectly. They remember the conversation they had and that feeling of, of gratitude and happiness and connection with their family. And not necessarily if the roles were overcooked or undercooked. It's being there with the family and your friends that are going to be what we're going to ruminate about or think about later on. Give yourself grace, no matter the time of year and no matter how badly you think you might have screwed something up. Give yourself a little more grace. It is such simple yet such important advice. Thank you so much for being a part of Raising Me. If you have a topic that you'd like us to pursue this year, send us an email. It's raisingme at wgme.com. We would love to hear from you. I'm Adrienne Stein. This episode is edited by Megan Littlefield. Please take a moment and follow Raising Me wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, a positive rating and review helps others to find our podcast and these messages. So we really appreciate that wherever you are. I hope you learned something new and get to take a little time for you.